I'm going to read the passage in the bulletin. Go to page 13 before Dr. Chapel comes and preaches. I know that it's 7.50, and you might be wondering, hmm, how late is this going to go? <laughs> as long as God wants it to go. If you must leave at some point because you've got to get home to the kids or whatever, that's fine. But I really want our brother to know how much we've appreciated the word that he has brought and how he has so passionately proclaimed what we want proclaimed from this pulpit all the time. It is grace, 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 mercy, 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 Christ, Christ, Christ. I won't forget yesterday morning, holy and acceptable. Not one day, now. Brian, you're a dear brother. We thank you for the time even that you have with our elders and deacons earlier tonight and for the ways in which God's using you in our denomination as our stated clerk. I'm going to read this familiar passage and then Dr. Chapel will come and preach one more time. From 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 to 17. In fact, let's read this together. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, you've already heard the best sermon from Dr. Harper. <laughs> the power's in the word. So please consider this just a footnote. What, what does it mean when we believe the power is in the word? For what and how does it help? If you're a certain uh, vintage near mine, you are bracing for the next weeks as the nation witnesses and awaits the results of the next trials related to George Floyd. Because we know the tension and we know the turmoil that can follow. It's not the first time in the lives of many of us. I can remember when my mother gathered her six children on the side of the highway, now known as Elvis Presley Boulevard, then Highway 51 in Memphis, Tennessee. And we watched James Meredith as he began his walk from Memphis to University of Mississippi as the first African-American in the integration. He did not make it. He was shot later that day. And so we who had, as children, watched him leave the boundaries of the city, later saw him bloodied on the news that night. Some of us will remember South Central LA after the first Rodney King verdict and the turmoil that followed and the city going up in flames. There was actually that newsreel of one man 
sadly driving a truck through South Central LA, who was dragged from the driver's seat onto the ground and then attacked and beaten by young men, so angry at the exoneration of those who had once beaten Rodney King. And into that mob waded an elderly black minister who will forever honor the office of pastor by stepping in to accept on his own body the kicks and the blows of those who were attacking the man on the ground. And Bernie Newton said, you must stop. You have no right to do this. This man has done nothing wrong. And as he accepted the attack on his own body, he had nothing to defend him but a Bible in his hand. Ultimately, the young men who were beating the man on the ground turned away in disgust. But what everyone witnessed was a man of God who had said, I will put the Word of God in front of me, though it cost my life. That may sound like an act of bravery, but for every one of us who gather in this church, who actually bank our eternity on what the Word of God says. We too are saying, I believe the powers in the Word to do all that is necessary for life and eternity. Why do you believe that? Dr. Harper has said it well, but I want to be particular because all Scripture is breathed out by God. The older translations simply said, all Scripture is inspired by God. When I was president of Covenant Seminary, when Mark, and now I see David in the congregation. Hi, David. We were, uh, as all seminaries that have degrees granted that the state recognizes, we were being examined by our accreditors it's, uh, every 10 years. And I can remember our accreditors came from different backgrounds, and uh, the head of our accreditation team was a dean at the University of Michigan. And so he sat with me as the president, as it always happens, you have your first interview, and he said, well, tell us, uh, tell us what your institution is about. What are things that you believe and want, want to advance? And I said, well, among the things that we believe is very important. We believe that the Bible is inspired. And he said, well, oh, that's wonderful. He said, I believe the Bible is inspiring too. I said, that, that's, that's not exactly what we mean. <laughs> the translators of the English Standard Version have already interpreted for us. All Scripture is breathed out by God. The writers of Scripture actually tell us no prophecy of Scripture comes by any private interpretation, but holy men of God wrote as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit so much so that the Apostle Paul would commend those at Thessalonica for receiving the word that he had written, not as the word of man, but he said, as it is in truth, the word of God. So that Augustine, the early church father, would 
help us all for all time by saying, where the Bible speaks, God speaks. That what you and I believe is happening when we read the Scriptures, when it is preached to us, is we are not reading or hearing the words of a man. That though the Lord used human instruments, He is communicating by His Holy Spirit the very Word of God to us. That same Word that brought the universe into being. The same Word that gave breath to our first parents. That same Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and able to penetrate even into our hearts now the truth of God's Word and preserve our souls for eternity. And we're banking on that. And we can, we can put it in academic terms, but in life's crises, it is absolutely essential that we believe that, that not just what we have heard, but what God has committed to us is his word to us because you and I know something. However dark the path, however deep the valley, what, whatever's the trial we are going through, if we believe that God is with us, that he's walking with us, that he is actually giving us his word of truth, and we can do anything. We can face anything if God is with us. And when you believe that the word of God is God present, and speaking to you his truth by the Holy Spirit, then what Dr. Harper said is right. The power is in the Word. We can, we can say it in words that are just churchified until we need it. When I graduated from seminary, one of, one of my friends went into youth ministry, and some years later, as we were kind of debriefing our ministries, he, he said what he had done once with that seminary truth that the Bible is inspired, it's God-breathed, it's God's very word to us. He said he wanted to communicate that truth to the young people in his charge, and so he had this brilliant idea. He um, went to the homes of one of the families in his church, and in the basement, he put a bunch of folding chairs on the perimeter of the basement, and he, he put uh, Bible verses in each chair seat put a chair in the middle, and then invited the kids of the youth group down into the basement, had them sit around and say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask one of you to sit in the middle chair, and, and we're going to blindfold you and ask you to talk about some trial or difficulty that you're facing, and then listen. And those of you who are in the perimeter, if your verse applies to that problem, read it aloud. And it will be as though God is addressing that person for the one who's sitting in the middle chair. Now, my friend thought this was a great idea. And the kids thought it was really dumb. <laughs> I mean, nobody wanted to do it. Nobody wanted to sit in the middle chair. And anybody who was forced in the middle chair was just worried about how to pass Mrs. Murphy's math test, and there just wasn't a good verse on that. <laughs> and then a new girl said, I'll sit in the middle chair. And they put the blindfold on her. And she said, I am so miserable. I don't know if I can stand my life anymore. 
and the kids got embarrassed and they looked at their shoelaces and somebody looked at the Bible verse in their hand. And to the young woman who had just said, I am so miserable. I do not know if I can stand my life anymore. They read, but no temptation has taken you but such as is common. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape so that you can stand up under it. And the young woman said, nobody cares about me. And somebody else read, but I have loved you with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness, I have called you. And the young woman said in anger, you do not understand. My parents kicked me out last night, and they said never come back. And somebody else read, but I will never leave you or forsake you. When they took the blindfold off the young woman, she was crying, and she had a question. Why doesn't God really talk to me that way? To which the youth leader said, but honey, he just did. That was the word of God, and he was speaking to you just that way. We are just silly at times in what we expect of God. We say, if, if, if God were real, if he would really speak to me, then, then he would speak in the thunder what he wants. Or he would write his will in the clouds. But if he wrote in the clouds, it would blow away. If he spoke in the thunder, it would fade away. So God says, would you mind if I wrote it down and just put it in your lap? It is the greater miracle that our God has provided for us his word for every occasion and every trial that his people have available to him, to us, the very word of God for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. That what his God is doing is, is he's saying to his people, if, if you're getting a wondering about what is the right path, I'll give you teaching on that. And if you're getting off the path that's good for you, I'll give you reproof. And if you want to know the way back, I'll give you correction. And in the tenderness and goodness of our God, he is providing precisely what we need. Pastor Mark actually quoted, everything that we need for life and godliness has been provided in his word. It's not a catalog of all scientific truth. It's not giving you math formulas. What is it giving? All that is necessary for life and godliness, for living for God, for facing the world, all that has been made available to us because the Bible is God's inspired. It's God-breathed. It's his very word to us. Because of that, it has certain dimensions that the apostles and prophets want us to know. We summarize when we say the Bible is not only inspired, that it is inerrant, that it's true, that it doesn't speak falsehood, 
It's not telling us things that are maybe a little bit true and a little bit false, and you figure it out. No, all Scripture, says the apostle, is inspired by God. And that means it has certain characteristics. When the psalmist in Psalm 19 begins to describe for us the different components of the Word of God as an ancient Hebrew would have understood it, he explained it this way. Now, here's the psalmist explaining the Word of God, what it is. But if you did not know it was the Word of God, what would you think he was describing? Did you hear that? If you did not know this was the Word of God, what would you think was being described? The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, sweeter than honey. If you just listened to the adjectives and did not know it was the Word of God being described, what would you think? Perfect, trustworthy, wise, righteous, pure, sure, more precious than gold, sweeter than honey. If you did not think it was the Word of God being described, what would you think was being described? God Himself, which is the point. If the Word has been breathed out by God, then it will hold His character. He will be represented in it. It is the Lord who is perfect, trustworthy, wise, right, pure, sure, righteous. But so is the word that he gives. So when we look at the word of God and we are looking for that which substantiates what we need to understand, the doctrine that leads us on the path of truth, the reproof that takes us back from the path of error, the correction that returns us to the path of truth. We trust the scriptures because they take God's character and reflect it in what they are. Now, again, it can just be academic truth, what people in the church say, until you think of what, what is it actually doing for us to believe in a Bible that is not only inspired but altogether true. Do you recognize what it's doing? It's actually rescuing us from the idolatry of self. I can remember one time a professor with a student who was objecting so much. What about this contradiction? What about that unscientific statement? What about that? And the professor says, all right, listen. You just take every passage, every verse that, that you think should not be in the Bible and just cut it out. You, you, whatever you're wise about, whatever you think you know, but you, just, you just take your Bible and you just cut it out. And he handed him the scissors. But he said, now you recognize, by the time you're done with the Bible that is cut up according to your wisdom, it will only reflect your wisdom. It will be like a string of paper dolls that all look like you. That's all you got. Because you have become the one who is wiser than Scripture and the only reference point for life and eternity. You're Wisdom has become your idol, and you are captured by it. Now, maybe you're willing to do that. But you see, by believing in a Bible that's altogether true, you are not just rescued 
from the idolatry of yourself as you stand over Scripture. You are rescued from the isolation of self because there will come a day in every life where you will look to heaven and say, God, please help me. What do I do? How do I face this? How do I respond? And if the only Bible you have is your voice, the only voice that's going to come back to you is your own. That's all you got. Your wisdom, your word. I would rather have God's word for my trials and my eternity. It is inspired. It is inerrant, which doesn't solve all our problems if it's not complete. You know that, don't you? I mean, you can have a Bible that's true, and somebody can say, well, it's great that your Bible's true. If you have this other record or this other Bible or this other truth to interpret it, what is the Bible telling us? All Scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God might be complete. Equipped or thoroughly furnished for every good work. Listen, if we have what's complete, you don't need more. If all that is necessary for life and godliness has been provided in the Word, we're not saying, well, just give me a little more of something. A little more. What? This is complete. And if it is complete in terms of telling us all that we need, then we not only say, I need this Word to rescue me from isolation, I need the one of whom it speaks to complete me. Because there's just a, a logical implication. If the Bible is given to complete you, what does that say about you? You are incomplete. Your wisdom is not all that you need. Your strength is all that you need. What do we need? The Bible makes plain not only doctrine, reproof, and correction, but this simple fact, you are not your Redeemer. Your world and your eternity cannot be fixed by you. But there is one who secures your heart for eternity. His name is Jesus. And what the Bible is doing is making plain to us, not just abstract truths, not even the voice of God made present to us, it is making plain to us from beginning to end, you can't fix the problem. It's a fallen world and you're a fallen creature, but God can fix it. And he has made known to you, not just his voice, but the beauty and the wonder and the goodness of his son. For sinners like us who trust our wisdom and forget his word, we too have his son. One of my friends was a minister in a denomination that did not believe that the Bible was the word of God. And so when life's difficulties came, he kind of left off of all church things. One day, he and his girlfriend, because he was divorced, he and his girlfriend decided to take a trip to Palestine because they had heard that as a minister, still with minister's credentials, though he was not minister of a church, he could get a free trip to Israel. And so he and his girlfriend got the free trip to Israel. And uh, when they got there, found out there was a bunch of evangelical ministers with their wives. And the man and his girlfriend didn't quite fit. 
And so he just kept a low profile throughout the whole journey through Israel. Until they got to the very last day, and some of you have traveled through Israel know often the last day is the trip to the garden tomb. The beautiful place where could have been where Jesus' tomb was, where he was raised from the dead. And for the minister who had not done his part, like the other ministers at the various holy sites around Israel, they said to him, you've not done any Bible lesson, you've not done anything, you're going to do communion here in the garden tomb. (laughs) So he did. Didn't believe a word of it. But then as he said, you do show forth his death until he comes. The minister who had rejected faith was on the trip with his girlfriend, believed in Jesus. The word of God was powerful enough to touch his heart. Do you know what he did? The rest of the ministers, like you do when you go to Israel, wandered the beautiful garden and all the flowers. He didn't. He said, I went straight back to the bus. He said, I couldn't wait to get back to the hotel because for the first time in my life, I was thirsty for the word of God. Why? Because he recognized it would be God ministering to him. God's very word, speaking to a man in sin, speaking to a man who had rejected God, that God would speak to him again. It would be God's voice, God's word, and hearing again of the true blessing of God's son for such a sinner as he. We can make it just abstract truth, can't we? We can debate the science of it and the verses and the, or we can say, listen, God's smarter than we, wiser than we. Everything that we need for life and godliness he has given in his word, and for that reason, We're thirsty for it. We hunger for it. As the deer pants for water, we long for his word. And it fills us and satisfies us and is joy to our soul because it's God speaking to us of the goodness and the grace in Jesus. Father, bless these people. This is a church that is founded upon the truths of your word. A pastor who teaches that your word is true, not because it's a a point of theology, but because he cares so deeply for the people of God who need the voice of God in the valleys of their lives. May that voice be true because we have trusted your word, not just with facts, but with the testimony of Jesus. Fill our hearts with the wonder of his grace by your word, we pray, that we may trust you, know you, and be claimed as your own. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen.